What's up traders? Welcome to the day trading show. Now today we talk all about the biggest trading mistakes that Tom, James, and myself are helping the Black Shirt Club traders work through to start this year. Now, if you don't know what the Black Shirt Club is, you're going to hear a lot about it today. This is our small group mentorship program, which does have space if you're interested going into the rest of 2023. So the link for that is in the description, asfx.biz slash BSC. If you go to that link, it has all the information there. There's a video that explains it. And you can also book a free call with me to hop on and see if it'd be a good fit for you. There's a time commitment. There's an energy commitment. It's going to really pull the best trader out of you possible, but that does take work. So if you're interested, use the links in the description, head to the website, book the free call. And now without further ado, enjoy today's episode. You're going to find a lot of value in it. Tom and James share a ton of good nuggets. So make sure you're focused. And like I said, enjoy the episode. What's up, traders? We've got a home team episode. I'm sitting down with my brothers. We got Tom in his Kaizen trader hoodie today, not his ASFX hoodie. Even though he was wearing the ASFX hoodie, he made sure to change out of that for the episode. We got James here today with the goat chain on because, you know, James mm -hmm. is our South African goat. You know, they're not not a very common animal in South Africa, right? James, the, the praised goat is a very rare and fine animal. That's why you wear it on your neck. Correct, correct. <laughs> it's much, much, much sought after. <laughs> much sought after. So we're talking about big lessons for us as trading coaches to start this year, right? We're filming this episode in beginning mid-February. We've had a month of coaching in the Black Shirt Club. We have over 15 members in the Black Shirt Club between new members and our elite members. So I figured we would focus on like, what have we seen as far as mistakes that some of our guys are making so we can help some listeners avoid them? And also when those mistakes are made, what are we doing to help our traders work through it? So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, guys. I think it's going to be good. Before we jump in, I want to just remind everybody one more time, if you're interested in the Black Shirt Club, if we don't cover the question that you have, book a free call with me. The link is in the description, asfx.biz slash BSC. We can hop on the phone. I get on with everybody for 10 minutes. And we'll make sure it's a good fit. Maybe this is a good point for us to start, Tom, because the Black Shirt Club has evolved over the last two and a half years since me and James started it, partially due to you due to your tracker that you've helped us build. We give you full credit for that. When you talk to new people, Tom, about the Black Shirt Club, they're not in yet. You're talking to them on Instagram or Discord. Maybe they're in ASFX. They just haven't joined the club yet. How do you describe the workload that we put people through? I'm curious. So I would, on that welcome call that we have when people first join, I do make a point of trying to make sure they understand how long this is going to take. This is not just a turn up, you take a trade and you go home at the end of the day and shut your laptop. This is about so much more. It's about committing to the journey of trying to become not just a better trader, but a better all-round person, I suppose, because we track everything. We track your trades. But we also track your pre-morning routine. We track your off-the-charts habits, your trading errors, your on-the-chart habits. And we really get you to deep dive into your trades and really push self-awareness because that's what we have found has led to the biggest improvement in the previous people that we have coached. So this is forever evolving, this process, and it gets tweaked after 
every quarter or every new thing that we learn about this process, it gets tweaked and added back in. So it's forever changing and evolving and getting better and better as we coach more and more people. Um, but I would say that it takes at least half an hour to an hour to fill it out properly. And every day. Every day on top of your own trading. That's exactly what I tell everybody. I tell them 45 minutes to an hour extra per day if you're really going to do it well, you know, if you're really going to give effort. And the reason that that's important is Tom, our spreadsheet master who tracks everything, has proven to us that right now, the group has an 89% success rate. So if you come into the group, there's an 89% chance that you will make more money month two than month one and month three than month two. We've proven that. But I can guarantee you, and Tom, back me on this. I didn't ask you this, but back me if I'm wrong or right, whatever. The guys who, of those 89%, the guys who hurt our statistic in this scenario are the guys that did not give full effort to the program, right? I think we could say almost 100% certainty that if you give effort to the program, we are going to make a drastic, not a small, but a drastic improvement in your trading. Fair? Yeah, I think there's definitely a correlation between the people that put in... You get out what you put in. I'm just going to leave it like that. Yep, 100%. The more you put in, the more you're going to get out of this, 100%. Would you say that one of the things that the traders who are putting a lot of effort in, um, one of the things that they're maybe learning is selectivity? Because this was one of the things that I wanted to speak about today as far as like one of my big lessons in my coaching calls is how important selectivity is. And I know you ran one of our weekly black shirt calls, which is a group call for all members to join. And didn't you tell me that you highlighted me and Otto as two of the guys who have been paid out in January, had good profitable Januaries, and it was due to, you think, the selectivity. So do you want to speak on that for a second to start us off? Yeah, so I struggled in January. I had a losing month in January and I tried to take a different approach. I came into 2023 trying to size up and get more aggressive and take more trades and that approach completely backfired on me in January and ended up having a losing month so during the mid-month I was like because of the reflection that we're doing every day in the journaling I was like this shit's not working I'm digging a hole here and the people that are succeeding what are they doing so having access to people's TIPs and DERCs because everybody shares them every day. I go through and I read them and I look at them and the people that were doing well was Austin and Otto were the two that stood out and they'd taken fewer trades than pretty much everybody. So they were really waiting for their setups to present and January was completely the wrong time to step on the gas. Um, so January paid off being selective. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that you were quick to pick up on the market environment and adapt to that. So I think probably yeah. you can speak on why you were <laughs> well, doing Well, I was going to say that. I was going to say, I don't know if I was quick to pick on, quick quick to pick up that the market was not favorable enough. I just know from January in, in the past, like I've not traded a lot in January. So I kind of came in extremely like conservative, if that's the right word. First week of the month, I didn't even trade. We had NFP. It started on a bank holiday. I didn't trade at all that month or that week. And then I traded just really three weeks of January and I put up like a, a little bit less than 1% gain. I think part of that, and this is good you know, for me to share with all the listeners, I think part of it 
we have to say part of it is the fact that I'm only looking at SPX and I'm only trading this one thing right now. There's probably a lot of value in just looking at one thing that I've not shared with my audience enough over the last couple of years. I think for most people, it probably would help them. What do you think, James? Do you think that less assets on the watch list is probably better for most people? Uh, I think so. Um, and this, uh, the, the reason being is there's obviously a multiple, but I think for me is that if you're watching, uh, and I think you should be maximum watching eight, eight assets. I think if you've got more than eight pairs on your watch, just eight to 10, you're probably looking at a bit too much. I would, I would say between that eight and 10, for me, I find it's between five and eight is kind of like my sweet spot of, of and I'm only trading currencies. So I find that that's my sweet spot, five to eight currencies, um, GBP and Euro pairs. But I think just from, um, uh, uh, the the bigger watch list, you you can always find something to trade. If you're watching 20 assets, you're always going to find something to trade, and that might not be your best trade setup. And I think this comes to uh to to the selectivity. What is what does your best trading setup look like? Is it for Austin? It's the A2. For Tom, it could be the D1. Whatever it is, but what is your best trade setup? And then scale up in that. Don't try to take five different entry types, find what you see best, what works best according to your data, and then scale. it's all about scaling up from there. Focus on a few assets what on one setup and then scalability. Right, because then you can focus on what Thomas was trying to do, which was position sizing and getting bigger in the positions. But I think you might've had different results, Tom, if you, would you, well, you tell me, looking, you know your statistics better than anybody. Would you have had different results if you would have had a smaller watch list in January? I wouldn't have, no. So it wasn't uh, that the bigger watch list was making you take more trades. You were just generating ideas to just take more trades in general. Yes, and I was just taking lower probability trades more often rather than taking higher probability setups. Less often. Less often or being prepared to take more than one trade a day i suppose or on the same pair or the same asset so what are you doing now in february to rectify i am only taking high probability setups looking for the variables that we look for in the asfx entries and specifically the a2 entries so i'm leaning into high time frame alignment off structure perfect l50s perfect emas and then dropping down to take more entries because my goal is still to turn over the edge more and to take more trades, but dropping down onto the time frame where that bias is very, very clear rather than taking some of the other setups that I was taking with swapping out 50s or counter trend or whatever that may be is sticking to what was working, but just turning the edge over on different time frames a little bit more. I like that. Just the shift of dropping the lower probability trades. What about this though? With, and I think that people will appreciate the candidness or the honesty, if that's what you would call it. Not that we're not honest all the time, but like when you're making money in other ways, whether it's through coaching or through another business or whatever, do you think that that plays a factor into selectivity? Do you think that if you're not in a, if you're stressing your bills, if someone is like trying to pay rent with their trading, they're probably going to be less selective. Isn't that fair to think? If, if they're not so say that again, sorry. No, I'm saying somebody who has money, yes, either saved up or coming in from other yes. sources, not tied to their trading. That person, use me as an example, I am not tied. I don't need the money from my trading. If 
for my funded payouts. It's nice, but I don't need that money. So I think that makes me a little bit more selective, conservative. I don't take stupid trades, which is why I'm still running a win streak from last year. So I'm curious, like between yourself and the guys you're coaching, do you think at some point advice is like, and of course you're making other money through your sports and through your coaching and everything, but like to some of the guys we coach, they don't have multiple streams of income. Do you think that becomes a piece of advice? Hugely. Uh, I spoke about this in great detail on one of my ASFX TV streams the other week. And it was at the back end of January when I'd lost money. And I think it's irresponsible to not have, if you're just starting out going full-time or you're starting out as a trader, I think it's really irresponsible if for you to not have other forms of income slash a financial buffer and trying to go full-time because you will go into drawdown and I can speak from experience on this about being in a drawdown and you can do everything right in trading for a month and say you have a bad month and you lose four percent in a month which is still not too bad but you can easily lose four percent in a month Mm -hmm. you can then have a good month so say I have a good month in February and make two percent pretty good month yeah i'd take two percent every month for the rest of my life 100 percent. you've now had not only have you lost money in january you've then still not got paid in february because you're clawing back out of the drawdown you then have another good month in march great you've made another two percent well now you're still back at break even for the year and you've three months in right and you've not been paid a penny right then you can have a bad month in april and lose two percent again now now you're back down to minus two Yep. But then hopefully in May, you have like a 4 or 5% month and you start to get back in. And that is genuinely the reality of being a full-time trader at times. Yep. And go months without a payday and do everything right. And the psychological pressure that puts you under, if you have to take that money home to put food on the table, is hard. Most people will... F- crumble under that type of pressure they will not be able to do it well i've never ever if it's happened it's a select few people and it is not sustained i'm not talking to anybody i've been trading eight years i'm not talking to anybody that went full-time in their trading early and made it work i'm talking to a lot of traders that have a very successful entrepreneurial venture or previous business experience and are tiptoeing their way into trading very carefully because they don't want to give up the money that they worked for years to sometimes build, you know? But I think that's the beauty about trading too, is like on the side of, we we will coach traders who are not in a great financial position and we'll try to help them out of it. We've been very fortunate, right? Like, especially, I'll be honest, you two, again, you've come in to, James has been here a little bit longer, but you guys walked into a brand that I built to have a good reputation. We now attract people who have extremely successful businesses, extremely successful previous lives. I did not have those kind of clients when I first started this. So now those guys who have previous experience, I think they understand the selectivity a little bit more than some of these new guys. Would you agree with that? Is It's it's the older, wiser, sometimes more business experienced people that understand the importance of selectivity rather than the new young gun. I think that's probably a fair point, right? Yeah, I I would definitely say that there's there's no, what's the truth there there is one guy that jumps out that does like pulling the uh, pulling the trigger and firing the bullets. There's not too many that take 
a lot of trades, but they could be a lot more selective than they are. I think we could all be selective. But I think that there's a fine line. That's what um, I was just going to say. The, the line of selectivity versus between selectivity and overtrading, that line is so freaking thin. That it is. And yeah. going back to that black shirt club calls that we have every single week with our, our guys, I go through and collect everybody's data. And I look at the data and study the data because I want to know what are the biggest mistakes that we as traders make. Right. And that goes from Austin, me, James, we collate all of that together. And we look for trends. Like right. what is it? What are the mistakes that us as humans and traders are making as a collective? You know, and when we talk about being selective in taking the trades, there's the flip side of that of missing trades. And mm. it is comfortably the biggest mistake that we as a collective group make and it's 300% we make it that mistake 300% more times than the second biggest mistake that's, that's crazy. crazy that's interesting so just for my take on this and I've been doing something with all my guys that have been coaching in the black shirt club this week on our calls is I'm doing something that we we gathering the five best setups that they that they think is their A plus setup and I'm going to go sit there with them next week and discuss the commonalities between them what is their best setup because I think that you're always going to miss trades that's a given you can never catch every move in the market right that that's a fact but if you select one setup that you have that you trade best in a, whether it be a breakout trade a pullback trade a reversal trade whatever that trade is making sure that you know what it looks like and you're not you're not missing it because as i said if you're trading three different entry signals you could you could you go you, there's there's bound to be a time where you're missing a trade and as tom said that's by far the most um <laughs> for everyone in a black shirt club the most uh, the common mistake but if you know what your setup is and you know what you're looking for it, it, and you you're honing in on it i think that creates a better chance of you not missing it right would wouldn't yeah, you guys agree yes only if you're okay with not feeling FOMO when you see another yes. thing happening that then sucks you away from the plan you just committed to. If you can be right. committed and disciplined to what you're saying, yes, I do think that that increases selectivity because then yeah. you're saying not only am I slimming down my watch list, but I'm only looking for a specific, a certain entry, a certain exact trade to happen. I think like the idea that that is the most common mistake, Tom, I would actually guess that that's a mistake that is made more common than even the guys in our group are tracking. Cause I think every, almost every day you could be really tough on yourself and say, I should have been in that with something almost every day. But the, the bigger takeaway for me in that I feel like is if you know, you're going to miss trades to given like James just said, what are you going to do to maximize the trades that you do take right to stay in them longest or to their fullest extent to put the proper position size on it what i've struggled with because i feel like this whole episode we've been saying how great i'm trading and i don't think it's that great my struggle has been the selectivity is good but my position sizing is too small so while james is making a great point of like you want to be in your best setup i'm doing that i'm in my best setup i'm in winning trades but I'm I'm afraid to lose, whether it's afraid to lose my funding account, afraid to lose money on the funding account, afraid to lose my win streak. I'm afraid to lose, and that ends up putting me at a, in a smaller position. So before we leave the topic of like position sizing and selectivity, what would you guys do if you were my coach to help me be more confident to put more risk on the trades? So for me, it all starts with the process of understanding why. We need to get down to the trigger point 
of why you're making the repeated mistake. So what's the reason behind taking a trade without full size? Is it because you fear. don't trust the system? Fear. Yeah, I'm so afraid, fear of afraid what? to lose. I don't want to be wrong. I could take being wrong. I don't want to lose money on this funded account because I, as much as I said, I don't need the money. I do want the money. I don't want to be negative on it. You know, I want to take payouts. I just got one from the first month. Now I get payouts every two weeks. So, I want to get them payouts. So for me, then it's looking at the data and the information. Are you sizing too big to start with? Is your initial size that you should be in there? How are you determining your position size? To That's start a fair with? point. That's a fair point. So for example, the B setups are 0.15%, C setups 0.5, uh, 0.1%, and A setups are 0.25. So for a funded account, I don't think that that's too heavy, but like you bring up the same point I thought about two weeks ago when this was a clear repeated error. I was like, maybe I just changed my plan for smaller positions and then I will never have to say I'm in too small because now I'm trading what the plan says. But then- You'll have Chris come out. Chris is in the Blackshirt Club, and he'll be like, "Hey, bro, if you would just traded all of these trades at three percent, you'd be a gajillionaire by now." And I'd be like, "Yeah, Chris, but if I traded that bigger percent, I'm being funny with the three percent. If I, this is, I think now we're getting deeper in it, but I think if I trade too big, Tom, I'm more like, and I'm wrong, I'm more likely to put myself in a position to go off tilt. Where if I lose a point one or whatever small little point zero seven trade, it's so small, I'm like, okay, I lost, I'll move on. You know what I mean?" Yeah, so I get it. And I'm going through this exact process with uh, somebody in the Black Shirt Club at the minute. Um, Otto, great trader, very consistent, very, very good. Like you said, in, you've mentioned him already. Size is too small. There's, there, for me, again, we're coming back to the data. With somebody that's got an 80 to 85% win rate like yourself, you are leaving so much money on the table by sizing in at 0.1. <laughs> your chances of a two to a th- like your chances of a four percent drawdown is nigh on impossible at that size. <laughs> right. So you are leaving money on the table by not. So for me, that this and this is the same with Otto, it's exactly the same thing. He sizes very similar to you, very similar trading style. So the, what we have said is, well, let's do it very, very gradually. We don't have to go from zero to a hundred, like I tried to do in January and it ended up costing doubling the position. The wrong, wrong approach. Mm. Go from 0.1. So say your B setup or C setup is 0.1. Right. I want you for week one of the next month to go 0.11. You can go from 0.1 to 0.11. If you're okay in week one with that, Week two, we then go, right, C setups or B setups, 0.12. And we'll have a mm. week at that. And then what we've really focused on is in the when you're in a trade, there is a box in there, how you're feeling. We have made a conscious effort this week again on the Black Shirt Club to say, in, how are you feeling in the trade? I want you to, at what moment is it that your heart starts to beat a little bit more? At what stage is it in that take profit? You can see the money on the table. Do your palms start sweating? Is it like 80% towards your profit? Is it 70% towards your drop down? At what point does the money then start to attach to you? Right. So you can be more aware of the emotions. And then- Week three, right. We know that week two was at 0.12 was a little bit iffy because of the emotions you're saying when you're in a trade. So we'll just write horizontal 0.12 for week three. We'll keep it at that. And then we start to build it slowly. We don't go from 0.1 to 0.3. 
yep. because that's a big jump. That's triple the size that you're used to. Yep. So that's the process that we're now trying to take. And yes, it's going to take a bit of time, but we're in this for the long run. We're yep. not here to flip an account overnight. We're here no. to make sure that we're here in five years time. No, we're the here problem... to make sure that we protect that capital. Right. And the, exactly. The problems that I'm dealing with now are much different than they were four years ago. Like now I have multiple six figures to trade with. We're trying to not get that, not lose that money. So every decision is like, how are we preserving the capital? Like you said, because there's going to be winning trades. It's undoubtable. I can, I can find winning trades, but what are you doing to preserve the capital? Which is a great point for me. Yes, exactly. And it's so easy for me to sit here and say, well, you should be trading five times bigger than you are to make money. But of course, we know, it's not that easy. It's it, not that it, easy. And it, it, there you know, are, like, old, you peel back the layers. That's what I was just going to say. You peel back the layers, you get, oh, the mistake is I'm trading too small. Well, now I'm trading the right size, but now am I getting out of the trades too soon? Oh, now we got mm. another error. Or you're track. going off edge or exactly. because of that. Yeah. It's And it's always like that. And that's why I think, yes, it is the most common mistake we're seeing the group make, but it's probably out of all the mistakes, the best one is I missed a trade entry because you can, you're not losing money and you can really work on improving that to try to be in those trades. You know, out of all the mistakes you could make, I feel like that's probably one that's the best. Would you agree? Yeah. And the, when we went through this, we had a really good discussion, like 15 traders on there discussing. And it turns out, because when I came to that, I was like, well, I miss trades. It's one. Of, it's my biggest mistake as well. I miss trades. Mine was because I was either distracted or I was like in the middle of I don't know ASFX streaming or coaching or whatever it may be. Yep. I missed a trade entry for whatever yep. reason, and then people were coming in and they were like, "Well, I don't miss it for that reason. I miss it because I'm scared." And I'm like, oh. So there's actually a lot of triggers for the same overall mistake, and each trigger needs a different solution putting in place. Yes, and it's. That was I found that really, really, really interesting. And there were so many different answers or solutions for each individual problem to the same wider problem, which was really, really a lot of value. I found a lot of value in that call. No, it's it's great. I think a lot of people in our group take value out of those weekend calls because during the week, we're trading, we're reviewing, we're trading, we're reviewing. You don't get that deeper dive as often. And I think that like you said, this trading is an onion, bro. There's a lot of layers to this shit and it's smelly. Sometimes it's not as pleasant as it is when it's cooked up with a nice steak, you know? So trading is like an onion. Isn't that a quote from Shrek? I think doesn't donkey say something like that. Something's like an onion, but I wanted to tie before, before you made that last point, Tom, I wanted to tie that into something that I know James has, uh, really made a good improvement on. I feel like in, in the time that I've traded with him, which is forcing trades, not in, in general of like, um, any day of the week, but specifically forcing trades on a Friday or a Monday and forcing trades because of a challenge, you know? So I think mm. we should speak on this as something, because it's something we've seen. We had a, you had a guy, Tom, who forced a trade before he went on a trip this past month that screwed him up and sent him, sent him back in the challenge, right? So why don't we speak for a second about how to avoid forcing trades? And I could say really quick, like with my guys, I do everything that I can to have them not feeling FOMO on a day-to-day -day basis. And even if some of them are distracted with other things, for example, Liam was distracted with his other business, which he's now quitting because he's going full-time. But that's why we said, bro, if you're distracted from your other business, you're more likely to feel FOMO because you're not focused. FOMO happens when you're not focused. And then you end up taking and forcing stupid trades. So why don't we just not trade Fridays? And he's been doing incredibly well since we just cut that day out. So I'm curious, I'll pass it to James first. How are you coaching the guys through forced trades as an issue, specifically forced trades because of a challenge or end of the week kind of thing? 
Sure. Um, so yeah, first of all, I would say challenges can affect all of us mentally with the time constraints and the time limits. Um, and you know, I think FOMO, like you're always going to have that, that time pressure if you're taking a challenge, just the nature of the business. Um, so I actually have been guiding them and telling them to look at their data, right? What is their data telling, telling them if they don't trade well on a Friday and a Monday, then why are you looking to force a trade on a Friday or Monday before you go off on the weekend, right? Um, so I'm really focusing on 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 what days they trade best and what times they're trading best as well. Um, because if they know that they trade best at on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays during the London session, making sure that they're on the desk for those sessions, then they don't then they know they were at the best times possible for their trading to be on. Instead of um, saying, oh well I missed an easy read on the Monday. Yeah, but statistically it's it's that's one out of the past five Mondays that was a winner. You know, you you're letting your data guide you, not your emotions. I like that. Tom, you want to say anything about that? Yeah, a very similar approach to James in the fact that I let all of the data that we collect really drive home where a trader should or shouldn't be trading. Because I find, and I've had this conversation today with the trader, that a lot of the people can make money in the market. Making money is not difficult. Not doing the shit in between the making money is what people find tough. And I... I go through an exercise and it's practically every call. I go to a compound calculator and I make them tell me how much they've cost their trading business through the mistakes. So whether that's taking an edge off trade, forcing a trade on a Friday, getting out doing something early, off whatever. plan, and they're yep. like, oh, it cost me 0.3%. Yep. There was a guy last month that made 22 trading errors and cost himself like 8%. And this guy's trying to get funded. And I'm like, you've just made enough to get funded, but you've done that much in the opposite made direction. that many errors in between. Right. You've not got there. Right. And we went through and I was like, this is how much you're costing yourself every week. And then he's like, you can make 10%. So if he can make 10%, he can get funded for a million pounds because you can get a million pound account now if you can make 10%. And that's over the course of, however long you want it to take. Right. And if your mistakes are costing you compounding 95% of a, in a year, you can probably have multiple accounts. You can probably make multiple 10% and get paid out just by cutting out the mistakes. You don't yep. need to go and do anything different, yep. but it's really, if people are so attached to the money that's making them make these mistakes, we need to make them understand the cost of their mistakes yeah. and that's not and that's in terms of what they're costing themselves their families their futures their lifestyle using hard numbers and the monetary side which is what people get attached to so whilst there are pretty much no numbers in the ta in the tip in regards to profit and loss it's all percentages we can then transfer that percentages to what it looks like for future capitals because our job as coaches is to help them with the process. If we can get traders to nail down the process, the money's going to be the easy part. Because if you can stay consistent for two, three, four, five, six years and make 20, 30% a year, you're going to get your hands on cash. And it's mm -hmm. the same process whether you're trading 10,000 pounds or 10 million. Yep. Yep. And I would just add into that that the only way you know 
what mistakes are costing you. Like you see everybody listening, how Tom can say he made X amount of mistakes. That's because that trader that he's speaking about, all of us in the Blackshirt Club, we're tracking them every day. Because of course, if you sit there on Friday and you go, well, what errors did I make this week? Oh, I made a few. That's what everybody would say. Oh, I made a few. But if you track them every day, not only when they happen, but also now our TIP, which is our tracker that Tom keeps mentioning, um, the tracker prompts you to say, okay, I not only did I make this mistake, but how much did it cost me? And then you have a number to it. And then at the end of the week, all of those from Monday to Friday, they're all added up to give you a weekly. And then you start to see that you're costing yourself more money than you're actually making. It starts to bring a whole new level of awareness to these problems, which like we always say on this podcast, I feel like every episode it comes out, we're not trying to get rid of trading mistakes. We are trying to make them cost less and happen less often. That's it. And the only way I think you do that is what James and Tom, both of you said, self-awareness has to be through the roof. So what do you do to increase self-awareness? You track everything. You document everything. Even now, like Tom said, this week, putting emphasis on how are you feeling at that moment when you start to sweat? What is that moment? Where is the heartbeat at that time? You know, that paying attention to those moments brings new light, new awareness on some of these issues. And once you are aware of something, it's amazing. Like humans are very cool for this. We can bring awareness to something. Even if you tell me it, I'm that is awareness. But when I see it, then it becomes very real and much more avoidable. You know, it's not like we're doing something like I'm, I'm, I'm giving a potion to somebody and now they don't trade as much. They don't overtrade. No, we track their trading. It shows them every day. They are overtrading. They see at the end of the week, their most repeated mistake is they are overtrading. The next week, that's their one point of focus. No overtrading. That's it. Trading too big. Next week, we focus on that. So I think it is that Kaizen in, in incremental process of stepping forward and moving in a direction through constant review, through constant analysis. And that only can happen if you really track everything in detail. But this is the bigger point, maybe out of all of this. When we talk about the lessons that traders need to learn, a lot of people are not going to make it in trading. And the part of part of that is because they don't love it enough. They don't love the tracking. They don't want to do the tracking. It doesn't get them going enough, but they do want to make money. And I think it just is for those people, trading is not the avenue that they should be down. I think the guys that are crushing it, I can speak for myself, I love looking at charts. I spend more time looking at charts than I do in trades. I spend more time reviewing my markups of trade ideas and my own trades than I do actually trading some weeks. So I think when you love the process that much, then the result is as good as mine looks like it, it, the result comes. It's not even like something you have to try for, you know, because you're in line with that process, the process that is highlighted through the increased awareness that you get through the tracking, you know? Yeah. Cool. All right. So I think for today, boys, I think we can wrap it here. That was a good, lot of good nuggets in this episode. I know it's not the full hour, but I think this is still good. I'm sure everybody will find some value in it. So why don't we leave it here? I'll let everybody know again, one more time, Blackshirt Club enrollment is open. We will uh, put the link in the description. If you want to just go to our website, click Blackshirt Club at the drop-down menu, you can book a free call with me. We can hop on and make sure it's a good fit. Maybe there was a question you had that we didn't cover in this episode. We do have other episodes where we've mentioned the club, but I'm more than happy to get on a call with anybody. We're looking to um, take on some new people going into the second half of 2023. So we have space. If you're interested, please reach out, let us know. We'd be more than happy to get on the call, like I said, and see if it'd be a good fit. But Tom, James, another good episode in the books today, boys. Well done. Great, great, great stuff. I appreciate you guys very much. And for our listeners, make sure you check the link, asfx.biz slash BSC. It's in the description. It's on my website. It's on Instagram. The boys have it in their bio. It's everywhere. Just go looking for it. You're going to find it. And hopefully we would uh, 
love to see you come into the club this year. So if you have any questions, please reach out. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everybody.